Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Well, this UGA Mizzou game is certainly living up to the hype so far. Creeping in on the end of the half. A fast-moving one at that. Georgia and Mizzou nodded at 10. I'll keep you updated on that. Bedlam going on as well. Oklahoma State up 17 to 14 there. So adding on to what has been a really, really good slate of college football so far, I gave you the rundown of all the games that finished up earlier this afternoon so far. The biggest ones being highlighted by Clemson taking care of Notre Dame and Texas holding on by an absolute thread taking down Kansas State. And uh, as I said, Carl Duke somewhere right now is Lighting up a cigar, pouring himself a bourbon, and giving himself a big old exhale because that would have meant the end of the line for Texas in terms of making it to the college football playoffs. We have not talked to any Hawks basketball today, and let's remedy that with five true or false questions with our man E. It's time for five true or false questions on the other side of the glass. Which teams in the ATL will thrive? Which teams will make you scratch your head? On Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Well, man, before we get into this week's uh, Hawks True or False, man, just how you doing, man? How was your week? Everything was good. I had a lot of fun yesterday. Got to uh, do the big boy seat yesterday while my man Carl Dukes was out. Got to co-host with Mike Bell. So we did the full five yesterday, and it was a lot of fun. All all good, man. All right. That's good to hear. All right. So our Hawks on a three-game win streak rolling to the Big Easy tonight. Take on Fat Boy and the New Orleans Pelicans. Hey, now. Look, look, I can say that. I am on record, and I got a lot of people that can back me on that, that I said that man will be a bust when he came out. And so far, so far, I am correct. He's playing a little bit better this year, but um, it's been, what, three games, four games, whoever well, it is. right, so, yes. A long ways ago. He'll miss his 30 games this year. Don't worry. Just give it time. Okay. Just give it time. I'm like Stephen A. and the Cowboys. Just give it time. <laughs> All, right. All right. But with what we've seen out of the Hawks in the last three games, they're on their winning streak. True or false, the Hawks have established themselves as the best team in the NBA Southeast Division. Oh, too early. Too close to call. Too early to call. But – Listen, if they can replicate what they've done over the last three games and that becomes the blueprint that everyone's been talking about all offseason long and Quinn Snyder working his magic with Trey and DJ and, you know, and I'll talk about this with Caleb Johnson coming up in about uh, 15 minutes from now. As much as we've crapped on DeAndre Hunter, and rightfully so a lot of the times, he's come up small in a lot of big games He's been really good this season. He's had a couple of games where he's notched close to 30 points, and 
He's been showing out, and DeJounte Murray had a 40-point performance. So all signs are pointing up for the Hawks right now. This will be a big test, as you said, in New Orleans. But right now, I mean, it's trending that way. But, you know, five games into the season, I'm not going to make any declarations just yet. As much as I do love a good hot take. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm going to skip my number two that I have here. I'm going to bring it back to number five. Okay. So, with what they've been doing the last couple games, the Hawks are now averaging 122 points per contest. Number two in the NBA. I don't think they'll keep that up all year, but they are really emphasizing offense. They're really shooting a lot more threes. So, can the Hawks finish, true or false, in the top five in overall scoring in the NBA? Well, talking about that blueprint, that would be another part of it. It looks like a lot of games are going to finish E like 135 to 124 because that's what a lot – go look at the box scores of a lot of their wins so far this season. It's been uh, not exactly, you know, the clampdown defense of the Detroit Pistons back in the day or, you know, some of your great NBA defensive teams there. So they're going to win a lot of high-flying, three-point shooting games, which that's why – the first two games of the season were so disappointing and so, you know, scary to use that word lightly, but, you know, because it looked like they weren't able to score. It looked like the whole game plan was not going to be up to snuff and what they needed to be in order to reach their potential. So I think they definitely can be, especially with what they've shown in the past couple of games, because frankly, they're going to need it if they're going to be the team that they think that they can be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about it. Three wins. 127, 127, 130. And then their two losses was 110 and 120. They, even though they started slow in those first two games, eventually the scoring did pick up and they put the ball in the hole. Defensively, they might need to, you know, kind of lock it down a little bit more. But uh, Well, it's so they, funny, right? Because that's what they that's what they keep preaching. Oh, we're gonna get better on defense. No, just accept who you are. Yeah, right? Yeah. Just accept who you are. When you have Trey Young, DeJounte Murray was supposed to come in and be this like ball hawking, stealing, you know, wingspan guy. He had some flashes of that last season, but he wasn't overall an all-defensive player either. So this team is a finesse team that's going to shoot a lot of threes and hopefully make a lot of threes. And that's sort of how they're going to operate the offense. Clint's going to do his thing down low and clean it up when he can. But if this team's not scoring 115, 120 a night, they're not going to have a chance. Okay, but let's keep – our next question on this Hawks edition of True or False, right on the offensive focus. So, in my opinion, this is true. Let's see what you think. True or false, the Hawks are actually more effective team when Trey Young is not the leading scorer. Oh, interesting. Um, I'm going to say false for now, but I'm open to interpretation as the season goes on. Again, it's don't shake your head at me like that. Don't shake your head at me like that. It's too early, man. It's been five games. You can't use that li- that little of a sample size to determine much of anything at this point. Yes, I get it. When Trey was off the floor, DJ went off in a couple of different games, and then when they brought Trey back on the floor, the offense kind of stalled out a little bit. Did you not but, just answer my question? But what? It, Did but, you not just answer my question? I know, but here's the thing, Ian. Here's the problem. You going to keep Trey off the floor for extended minutes in every game? No, Come but on. he needs to be more of that facilitator. He needs to look to pass. He does not need to be the leading scorer of this team. 
He's been the leading scorer for the past four years. What's that done for us? So you, what? You think DJ should be the leading scorer for the team? It should be between DJ and, like you said, what so far is a much improved DeAndre Hunter. No, now, Hunter can't stay healthy. Stop it. But stop it. When, when DJ is leading his team in scoring and they're finding him the ball and they're creating on offense, I think we have a much better chance. When we need Trey to score 50, What's, go back to the history. When he's going 40 and 50, no, they don't always win. I don't think 40 and 50 is the answer, but he needs to score his 25 to 28 a night. Give me 25 and let the, somebody else hit 28 to 30. No, there's not going to be a 28 to 30 guy on the t- E, you are, you are extrapolating <laughs> the hell out of these three wins, man. Ooh, I know boy, it's been a good, big words, extrapolate. Uh, I know it's been a good three-game stretch, but, you know, DeAndre uh, Hunter or DeJounte Murray are not scoring 30 points a game this season. Trey might, but listen, he needs to be the leading scorer on this team because that's his job. Like, that's what you have him here to do. He's not here to just, you know, stand in the corner and jack up threes. He's here to actually facilitate the offense along with DeJounte Murray and make it so that when it comes down to crunch, when it comes down to crunch time, who's getting the ball? Riddle me that. Who's getting the ball? He's starting the ball, but doesn't mean the shot has to be drawn up for him. He's getting the ball to start the play. He's getting the ball to initiate the offense. Does not mean the shot's drawn up for him, for well, sure. if that's going to be the case, he can't become Mr. Pouty Pants either. No. Well, I mean. Because we, we know there's been some issues in that department as well. Yeah. Well, I liked when, you know, what was the, the highlight where he was on the floor doing the binoculars because he gave a great pass and we got the great play? I mean, that was great. I like it. Yeah. He but, gets happy when the result's good. Okay. But if that happens 10 more times, I don't think he's doing that. Yeah, all right. All right. Two more to go on this week's edition of Hawks. True and false. Um, Jalen Johnson, even though he kind of cooled off a little bit, had a great start to the season. So true or false. He finishes in the top two of the NBA Most Improved Award balloting. He certainly has the potential to. Um, I'll say true. I think he's going to get a bigger role as the season progresses. I think he's going to find his shot. He's he's still a very underdeveloped player in terms of his finesse game. He's a lot of power. He's a lot of size and speed and, you know, can sort of Russell Westbrook you-ish in a different body type just in terms of being a pure athlete because that's really what he is. He's not a finished product when it comes to a three-point shot or you know even sometimes finishing around the rim. He could be a little herky-jerky, but he's going to have a couple of highlight plays every single game, in my opinion. It's just about him finding a consistent... If he could be a mid-range game guy like John Collins was at times and he can have that sort of... Because that's a void on this team that I think that they need to fill... Because you have so much opportunity for good three-point shooting with Bogey and Trey on the outside and Sadiq Bey that if you get a couple guys in there that could put up a 10- to 15-footer, and I think Jalen's the perfect guy to do that, I think that's your recipe for success right there. I don't need him outside shooting threes and all that kind of stuff. I need him attacking the rim and then give me a little, just, you know, that little uh, Tim Duncan bunny. That he would just yeah. get, that he would make 80% of the time that he would get it. That's yeah. what I need from him. I, I like it. Yes, he he slashes, he finishes, and if you can get a mid-range game to him, that is exactly a compliment that this team's need. And I mean, just think about it. How much did keeping John Collins around for the past two years, instead of getting rid of him when we want to, delay this young man's development? Because if he was gone yeah. a year earlier, which he should have been, how much more PT does this guy get and where is his game at now? Instead of where we are early right. in the season. The only thing I'll push back on that e is that they were going to give John Collins every opportunity. Because we paid him too much for a dumb reason. Yeah, and, and also he was viewed as 
portrays Batman for a couple, or Robin for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, well, we saw how that one. That's, that's the guy he was supposed to be. All right, so uh, this was going to be question two. I skipped it. We come back to question five. I asked you if the Hawks have established themselves or at least shown that they should be the best team in the NBA Southeast Division. You said maybe, pump your brakes, but I'm still going to ask you, can the Hawks, true or false, or should the Hawks, true or false, win the NBA Southeast Division? Should they? I mean, it, yes, true. If you look down at top to bottom, is it the worst division in the NBA? Yes, it is. So yes, you it know, is. When, when you got the Hornets and what the Magic, I mean, Wizards, Wizards, I a mean, Heat team that looks awfully old, really fast. Yeah, they would they start one and four to yeah, start the season. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, I mean, frankly, they should, but. It's kind of like the Falcons. It's like, well, that says what when you're you still got to go play. The, you know, when you're the best team, you know, in the worst division, and it, you know, there's a joke I could make. I'm not going to make it because it's not politically correct these days. But some of you would know which direction I'm I'm leaning towards what I'm thinking about right here. But I, at the end of the day, they absolutely should be. They have the talent. They have the players. They have the capability. Quinn Snyder's. I mean, is he the best coach in the division? Probably by default, right? I mean, is there a better? I coach? can't even name. Uh, well, no, Eric Spolster still the best coach in the division. Yeah, that's, uh, Quinn, that's I, true. Quinn, that's I respect true. you. I'm glad you're here. Spolster still the best coach in the division. That's true. Okay. It doesn't look like it right now. Not right now, but, but just yeah, based yeah, on yeah. resume, yeah, yeah, you got to give it to Spolster. So maybe he's the second best coach in the division. So right, but yeah. I, who coaches the Hornets? Uh, is it still uh, Clifford? Knows? Is it still Steve Clifford? Okay, you say so. I think so. You know, I'm I know West Ansel sure. Junior. Is with the Wizards, and I know him because I know the family. Yeah. Um, And then I don't know who coaches – what's the other team? The Orlando Magic? Magic. Maybe Clifford coaches the Magic. He's one of them. Yeah, Yeah. you know, they just bounce around. You know what? I do know the the freaking Hornets beat the Hawks. You know what? Because game one and um, uh, DeJounte wasn't leading scorer. That's why they beat him. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. You know what? Such a good job sparring with me there. E will give you another shot at the producer six-pack next hour. How about that? Appreciate good that. job, good job on you. All right, let's continue the Hawks conversation when we get back with our buddy Caleb Johnson. Maybe I'll ask him some of those same questions, and maybe he knows who the coach of the Magic is because I don't think I do, and neither does he. All right, all that and more when we get back. Sports Radio 93 on the game, Odyssey app. Mizzou and UGA tied at ten at the half, and coming up next on the WaitFor.com hotline, a man of many hats who is at that game right now. But that's not what he's here to talk about. But I will ask him about it anyway. He's here to talk about the Hawks. And that, of course, means Caleb Johnson is on the hotline. Caleb, how we doing? Hey, what's going on, man? I uh, I will have to say I have passed up my halftime hot dog to talk to you, Chris. So you should you should feel like a pretty special person. Wow. Well, you know, see, you know, you know what I will say, though? I will take you to task a little bit, though. You could have taken bites in between my questions. I would have helped you out. I would have helped you out. I would have made the, you know, I would have expounded upon my questioning a little bit if I knew you had to get some chomps in in between, my friend. No, it's all good. It's all good. I I ate plenty before the game, so I'm really, I'm fine to go. All right. So before we get into the Hawks, just set the scene for us all real quick. 10-10 at the half. Is the crowd a little nervous? What are you sensing there between the hedges? You know, it's actually kind of funny. The crowd is the loudest I've actually heard them this early on in a game all season, uh, at least, you know, when it comes to Athens, like they've had some night games and they've had some opportunities for the crowd to really get into things, but they were here from the jump. And I think what you're just, you're seeing what I kind of expected between uh, two, 
two teams that, at least in Missouri's case, their offense is really getting going. It's kind of how it's been all season for them. Uh, and, you know, when you think of some of the, the issues Georgia has defensively, um, and then on the other end of things, them just being a little bit slow to get started on offense, uh, I'm, I'm not too terribly surprised, although Missouri should not have one of the touchdowns right now because it was a pretty clear pass interference, a push-off move that got them to score. But nevertheless, uh, we've seen Georgia be a second-half team all season, and I, I honestly I wouldn't expect anything less for them to come out in uh, just a few minutes. Now, obviously, I can't have the volume up here on the TV. Did they make an announcement about Burden? Is he out for the game, or is he coming back? I have not seen an official announcement yet. Um, it it looked – I'd be really surprised if he's very effective uh, at all, uh, just based on the way he fell and the way that he was very gingerly walking off the field. Uh, but I, I had not seen an official announcement yet. Yeah, well, he did – he uh... – you know, whatever holding or not holding there was, we saw the talent on display at the jump. All right, let's switch to the Hawks. Caleb, it's a very happy day, and it's been a lot of unfortunate negative conversation between you and I the past few times we've spoke, but ripping <laughs> off three straight, what have you seen be the biggest change in the last three games? I think it's just a uh, nothing like nothing too terribly different has happened the last three games for them to get to win. I think that's kind of where I was with you when we spoke last, where it was like if this team rattled off four, five losses in a row, I really wouldn't have been that surprised necessarily just because they're in those early stages of putting this defensive presence that they really want to have together. Now, what we've seen in these last three wins is that defensive presence show up, but the offense show up, the offense that we always knew was going to be there. Obviously, the last few games, it's really been more DeJounte kind of carrying uh, this team, at least offensively. I mean, that obviously the big 41-point night that he had where he just absolutely went off. But that, that just kind of showed me that night where DeJounte had 41, showed me what type of team we're seeing from the Hawks this year and what kind of person DeJounte is personally when he played for another almost two minutes of that game, uh, knowing that 41 was his career high and he could have been ball hunting. But even in that moment, that Hawks team was still focused on doing what was best to win the game. Now, I think Wednesday night, they definitely ran into a position of getting out to a 26-point lead after being slow to start. Uh, and then letting their foot off the gas. But I think that was a pretty big coaching moment. That's something we've seen from this Hawks team do in the past um, that I think Coach Quinn Snyder is going to nip in the bud pretty quickly, quite honestly. And, you know, just this team is, is showing the offensive presence that they can have, and I think that we all expected them to have. Uh, and I, I would expect that to, to continue going against the New Orleans Pelicans team tonight, who's been playing some really good basketball to start the season, even though they're missing uh, some key pieces. Atlanta's, you know, been able to stay pretty healthy so far. So should Hawks fans resign themselves? And it's not necessarily the worst way to be, but it is, it is a, you know, sort of a representation of where we are with the modern NBA. Is 130 to 120 just going to be how it is all season long? Uh I don't think so. I mean, they, they showed, you know, two games previous that they can blow teams out. Uh, but it, it just, 
I mean, I feel like a nine-point win every night, it, it would feel pretty, you know, I'd have to imagine it'd be pretty difficult for Hawks fans to be upset with that sort of thing. Um, but I know, you know, it kind of depends on the opponent, and I know that, that Hawks fans view some teams as like, okay, this should be an immediate win. But then at the same time, I mean, if, if Hawks fans knew what was going to happen against the Milwaukee Bucks earlier this week, then I feel like you'd be, okay, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll take it. So, um, are they, yeah, they're going to be in close games all season. I mean, that's kind of the NBA in general. They play pretty close games, especially, I don't know if you've seen, but with all of these end season tournament games that happened yesterday, it felt like all of those games were within, you know, a point to like six points. I mean, they were playing some really competitive basketball and I have to imagine the league's pretty happy with, uh, how the first taste of NC's tournament basketball looks. Talking all things Atlanta Hawks with our buddy Caleb Johnson, who's reporting live from Athens between the hedges as the second half is uh, just about to get underway here. 10-10 Georgia and Mizzou. So one guy we always, uh, you know, we got to give him his props when he does it well because we've so often had to take him to task when he doesn't. I've seen a couple of really, really strong performances from DeAndre Hunter, Caleb. Absolutely. And that was something, you know, you and I talked about this, I believe it was last week, where I think my frustration with him was that we saw it against the Knicks, even though the the Hawks didn't win that game. But we had also seen a game against Charlotte where DeAndre, you know, didn't show up. But since then, I feel like we've seen, we've had moments where, you know, even if you think about Wednesday's game, him in the first quarter, things were going really rough where he was, he was, you know, getting some early fouls. Shots weren't falling. I think at one point he was like 0 for 5. Uh, but then he ends up finishing the night with, what, 20, 21, 23 points, somewhere in that area. Uh, and, you know, uh, me getting to fill in on the broadcast, I made him the defensive player of the night on Wednesday just because I thought he was that strong on the glass. Uh, finished with like seven rebounds defensively. Like it was just it was really, really a, a strong performance. I feel like we're starting to get to a point where he potentially could have those games, you know, that it's just not his night as everybody's going to have that in the NBA, but more often than not so far through five games, fingers crossed, we're seeing the type of Deandre Hunter that we've always wanted to. And the guy who's living up to the big contract that he quite frankly, wasn't living up to last year. Now I thought this was a really good question that uh, super producer, Eric Slaughter asked me in the previous segment and we've seen it be the case so far this season a couple of different times. Do you feel like Trey Young needs to be the leading scorer for this team to reach its max potential? Uh, not every night. I mean, that's, wasn't that the whole point of bringing in DeJounte Murray is the fact that Trey doesn't have to do it all on his own. Uh, I think it's, you know, you expect Trey to, to have every night consistent points. And if he's got less than 20, you know, you kind of think, well, the Hawks must have lost that game, but it's just, I think we've seen some really good scoring from him. And honestly, he hasn't even hit his true peak because the three is still not consistently falling for Trey so far this season, even though I expect it will come along for him. He's not taking bad shots. And that's, you know, that's the thing that we were kind of annoyed and, and frustrated and Hawks fans would, would get really excited for those deep threes. But at the same time, when they were early in the shot clock and they weren't falling, you know, fans would get frustrated. We're not seeing those types of shots because the ball is getting shared around. I mean, you think against 
well, I believe it was against Minnesota. They had eight different guys in double figures, and then Wednesday they had seven different guys in double figures. Something good must have happened here in Athens because uh, the crowd's gotten pretty loud now. But uh, I, I think Trey being the leading scorer is just going to be what we expect because he's going to get his shots and because he's going to get to the free throw line. But this Hawks team doesn't need him to be the leading scorer every night to get wins. All right, Caleb, last one for me, then I'll let you get back to the action in Athens. What are your keys to victory tonight to stopping, as you said, an injured but very, very, very efficient New Orleans Pelicans team? Yeah, they've been they've been pretty good this season, and honestly, I didn't really expect it, just given the fact of, you know, Jose Alvarado still being out, Trey Murphy being out for them. Uh, I think the, the key is going to be limiting Zion Williamson. You know, what is he going to be able to do? Uh, Valachunas has kind of been kryptonite to Anyeko Kongwu in the past. We saw them play against each other in the preseason, and it wasn't quite the mismatch that it has been in the past. But I still think that the big key there is limiting Zion, you know, his ability to attack the paint, um, and then just for the Hawks to get their shots to fall. You know, we, we've seen really good things when – They've, uh, they, they've gotten those mid-range, they've attacked the glass, and gotten their three to fall, even though it hasn't been on a consistent basis, um, that, that as long as they can not allow teams to get too far ahead, and even when they do allow big runs, they've been able to fight back from that. But Valachunas, uh, and, and I, I know C.J. McCollum is uh, the Pelicans' leading scorer right now, um, but I feel like he's never done really anything too crazy against the Hawks. Uh, but it's just, you know, lim- limiting Zion for sure and then seeing if, if Clint Capella and Inyekta Nakongwu can, uh, can deal with Valley Kunis' size. Well, Caleb, I'll fill you in on what you missed. Brady Cook got folded in half like a cheap table by the Georgia defense, <laughs> and they had to settle for a field goal. So 13-10 early on in the third quarter. Caleb, appreciate you taking the time. Next time, the Nathans is on me. Sounds good, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Caleb. Caleb Johnson, our Hawks reporter, but he's covering the Georgia game in Athens. How about that? We are multifaceted, multi-talented group here at 92.9 The Game. All right. When we come back, many, many headlines throughout the NFL this week, including the irony of a quote from a now-fired coach. I'll let you hear that next as we get to our NFL sound check right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, Odyssey app. I'll tell you what, Dylan Gabriel just threw one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen in my entire life. He had a split second to make a choice. He had two defenders bearing down on him, and he said, I'm either going to throw this thing as far as I can down the field in a Hail Mary type play in the middle of the third quarter, or I'm going to take this sack. He chose option A and basically had a punt return set up for the, for Oklahoma State with two defenders bearing down on the receiver. That was not a good look as Oklahoma is trailing 17-14. to 14. Things are getting heated in Athens as well. 13-10 right now. Missouri on top. 9-30 left in the third quarter. Georgia defense, like I said at the end of our interview with Caleb Johnson, was able to get to Brady Cook. Big sack. And then they had to settle for a field goal. Keep you updated on everything going on in the world of college football as the afternoon progresses. But now we need to turn our eyes to the NFL. Big Sunday slate ahead. Let's get to a sound check. 
Chris reacts to the best sounds from the best athletes and coaches in the A. And beyond. You're not listening. <laughs> it's time for Sound Check on the other side of the glass. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Not a good week out in the desert for the Las Vegas Raiders who fired head coach Josh McDaniels, GM Dave Ziegler, bench Jimmy Garoppolo for rookie Aiden O'Connell. So things you could say are a little bit of a mess. But sometimes you stick your foot in your own mouth so much so that the next day you find yourself on the unemployment line. And that's exactly what Josh McDaniels did. Let's hear. It's not productive enough. You know, whether it, it doesn't matter, you pick a pick a winner. You know what I mean? Honestly, we have to be able to produce more points in order to win games in this league. And right now we're not doing that. And so um, that's obviously my responsibility. And we'll take a look at everything we're doing, uh, everybody that's doing it, you know, and try to figure out if there's a better way. Uh, that's what we can do. There's still nine games to go, you know, so we have a lot of football left. We have played stretches of good football, but, you know, certainly not consistently enough. And that's what Mark Davis decided to take a look at. And he decided, uh, hey, Josh, uh, why don't you pack your bags and we'll see you later? Antonio Pierce is now the head coach of the Raiders, former Giants uh, Super Bowl winning linebacker. And apparently everything you're reading is that he's really been able to rally the troops there. We'll see what happens. Ironically enough, they're actually playing the Giants tomorrow in what should be a tale of two teams that are looking to salvage their season, even though I think both of their seasons are effectively over. So we say goodbye to Josh McDaniels, who by all accounts was not a good coach and not exactly the most friendliest guy in the locker room either. How about Dak Prescott? You want to talk about another big game? Eagles and Cowboys tomorrow. This one is going to be fun. Dak Prescott was talking about the in-division rivalry. Trust me, the guys in the locker room, myself, we know what this game means. We're not going to compare this to two weeks ago. Uh, obviously, yeah, we learned we learned a lot about that, but not to say, in, in a sense, that's apple, apples and oranges. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's a big game. Don't, don't for a second... Um, yeah, I even want to compare that, to be honest with you. And 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 uh, I know the men that we have. I know how we're going to prepare. I know how we're going to approach the week. And, yeah, it's, it's a matchup we're looking forward to. I can promise you that in Philly. Yeah, this one's going to be really interesting. And, by the way, Georgia does respond with a touchdown. They are now up 17-13 as we head towards the middle of the third quarter in Athens. Um, I don't know if I buy the Eagles this season. They've... They have a really good record, but I just haven't seen the play on the field to the same dominating fashion that we saw last year. That got them, obviously, to where they were at the end of the season, which is one win away from another championship. But I don't know if I buy the Cowboys either. That's the problem. You want to talk about the Falcons being a team that needs to show you before you believe? Man, is it every other year that the Cowboys go 12-4 and or 13-3 and and then they get bounced in the first round? How many times has that happened over the last 10 or 15 years? So I need to see this team actually break their dry spell, make it to an NFC championship game, and then we can say all of the things that people have been questioning about this Cowboys team for that last 10 or 15 years can be thrown by the wayside. How about Patrick Mahomes? He spoke about what the Broncos were able to do, and that was limit them to nine points. Now, the question is, right, how much of that do you put on him being under the weather and how much of that do you put on the Broncos' defense figuring out something that the rest of the league cannot, Patrick? 
You go back and watch the tape. You know, know <clears throat> knowing that uh, teams are going to replicate it and they're going to do their different versions of it and try to find answers for that. Um, that that's the biggest thing. I mean, obviously, they've seen two out of the last three weeks the Broncos be able to kind of stifle our offense, if that's the right word, and really just kind of get after us as far as making us execute all the way down the field. Um, and so I'm sure other teams in the league are going to watch that, and we have, to have, we have to prove that we have answers for that, and uh, that'll be something that I'll go back to the, the film and really uh, try to pay attention to. God, he sounded awful in that clip, huh? He must have been really, really under the weather. He didn't. He always sounds kind of funky, but when you put a cold on top of that voice, yeesh. Well, we'll see if they bounce back this weekend. We know that that game's going to be another real. You, you setting your e? You setting your clock for tomorrow? Nine thirty kickoff. You're going to be watching. Well, sir, I'll be right here in the studio because I'll be doing Sam and Greg, and just by the time I'm doing my post show wrap up. They'll be kicking off. Oh, so you could use the nice big TV in the in the, uh, in the bullpen, bullpen and set it yeah. up for a little Dolphins. And ch- now, correct me if I'm wrong. This is by far the best international game we've ever had, right? A- absolutely. I can't and, remember and, one better and, than this. And, you know, we have a segment coming up here called the uh, Producer Six Pack. We're going to talk a little bit about that game. Ah, beautiful. All right, so let's move on to Kyle Shanahan then. He was talking about his now embattled quarterback, Brock Purdy. What the heck happened to him? He got injured, and now he sucks. And what's going on with San Francisco, Kyle? thought he was one of the reasons we were in the game today. Some of those throws he made out there were unbelievable. Um mistake in the red zone missing the handoff was the biggest part and then once you do that you gotta you, you can't throw it you're gonna get the penalty but on worse that he got the pick uh, he was aggressive thought the mic was gonna pass on that second pick and the mic fell off right with Juwan so um, just got to see it that was what we like to call a compliment sandwich e that was you start off with something good then you put all the bad things in the middle of the quote, and then you finish, you taper off, and that is the other slice of bread in between the crap that was the 49ers who are now, I believe they've lost their lead as the one seed in the division. I mean, I don't I don't even think that they're playing half as good as they have been to start the season. Like, you want to talk about a fall-off? At least the Atlanta Falcons have been – consistently inconsistent as they have been they're still four and four but the 49ers in my opinion I, I mean if this thing continues you got to pull the trigger and go to Sam Darnold right I mean you, you got to see what he can do he's uh, been bad yeah it's gonna be tough you gotta lean on that defense I mean with a new Chase Young next to Joey Bosa whoo that could be dangerous but yeah three straight losses uh get that ball back to CMC and uh when does Debo come back? Is Debo back this week? I I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think it's been declared yet. Yeah, but so. at the same time, like even with adding Chase Young, we know in this league you got to score twenty to twenty four points to win a ball game. Even the best defenses in the league, you know, they give up a couple of touchdowns. And right now, Brock Purdy doesn't look like he can hit the broad side of a barn. Yeah, okay. unfortunate. Yeah. All right, how about Joe Burrow? Now, you want to talk about a team that has turned it around, the Cincinnati Bengals, and another really good game this weekend. They're taking on the Buffalo Bills to cap off tomorrow's action, and I think this is going to be potentially maybe not the game of the week, but it's damn near close, and Joe Burrow seems to have gotten his mojo back. Yeah, I was able to put the ball in, in for the most part, all day in, in the right spot, um, in the spot that I was trying to, and that's, that's what I expect out of myself. You know, my, my footwork I think a lot about and, and my mechanics. And so when I'm, when I'm not that, uh, it's disappointing. And so this is my standard. Yeah, it certainly looks like the last couple of weeks have been much more of a representative of what we've seen from Joe Burrow as opposed to the struggles to start the season. You know what I think it was, E? He cut his hair. 
He had the flow going, and then he got the got the haircut, back to the same look he had in the national championship game, and now all of a sudden he's playing like Joey Cool again. He tried to get a little too cute with it, grow out the locks, and it it clearly interrupted his game a little bit now. Yeah, he's got to have the sides shaved, top all nice and short, and of course he's got to have his dapper and debonair look. See what he, let's see what he looks like tomorrow when he strolls into the stadium. Yeah, clean, uh, clean look, clean results for Joe Burrow on the field. All right, this one's interesting. What did Kevin O'Connell say, Minnesota Vikings head coach, talking about their process to find a new quarterback to come in and replace the franchise guy and Kirk Cousins? You wouldn't believe kind of some of the things on my cell phone I've received here in the last 24 hours, you know, less than 24 hours. Uh, but uh, those di- that dialogue, it's, it's what's going to be best for um, our ability to win football games, but also knowing um, we've been living in a world where we want to be as competitive as possible right now while also understanding what we're building, hopefully for the future at the same time. Yeah, we know that uh, they made the decision to go with the rookie even though they brought in the vet who was starting for Arizona. Not that they were any good, but he was trying to keep them in games the best that they can. Jaron Hall, as Carl Duke said all week long, we can't let him beat us, guys. Will Levis, that needs to be an anomaly. And if that happens again for the second consecutive week in, week in a row, I'm not going to lie. I talk on this microphone for a living. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm going to come in here on Monday to do the bridge show after Dukes and Bell. If Jaron Hall beats the Atlanta Falcons with not a lot of answers for you, I'm going to be honest. I think at that point you enter full-blown full blown crisis mode and everything gets reevaluated. Coach, offensive line, quarterback, play calling, defense, everything. It's panic mode Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Remember when we had this conversation early year, and you know, and I've I've agreed now with Rob Triple. Going through a team schedule is the dumbest waste of time, but we all do it. We all said, oh, the Vikings, man, that's going to be a tough one at home. Uh, no quarterback, no wide receiver, and a rookie, our fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth rookie uh, QB that we're seeing, it better be a win. Um, listen, I will say this to – I love Rob, but, you know, a couple of the games that we highlighted when we played – the always interesting, never boring win, loss, 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 win, loss, loss game is that the teams that we thought would give the Falcons trouble so far have the, the Jaguars, the Lions. Now, it's gone the other way, too. I thought the Washington game would be a win. Then we all. I thought last week would be a win. Most of us did. And I thought this week would be a loss. Now, this is really the first sort of change of script, as you were pointing out, that is really deviating from what I thought should happen to begin the season in terms of the other way. I thought that there were wins that were on the board that wound up being losses, but I thought this was a loss that can now wind up being a win. And so, now we need it. And now it, we need it. And if it doesn't happen, I'm – do you steal Mike Bell's line? I'm probably just going to take tomorrow off or Monday off because I don't want to deal with it, man. I don't want to deal with it on the phones. I don't want to deal with it on Twitter. I don't want to deal with it on the microphone. Just go out and win the game. You should win the dang game. Go win 24 to 12. Make it nice and tidy. Let the Falcons fans cheer. Maybe even leave a little early in the fourth quarter to beat the traffic. Just give me a nice, tidy win. Hold up now. You said this, and Mike Bell said this too. I thought they took y'all grew up tough in New York, man. I thought y'all was a little tougher skin. Y'all can handle some adversity. You guys are from New York. All right. you guys there's can- adversity, and then there's this. <laughs> there's adversity would be if Kirk Cousins was still playing and 
We smashed the Titans, you know, 30-17 to 17 last week. You're like, all right, this is a tough game. Kirk's an MVP candidate. They still have some weapons. That's adversity. This is we, the Falcons, collectively, you know. Worst you know, in mediocrity. What's worse than mediocrity? Um, depression, sadness, <laughs> sadness, and anxiety, which is what we're all feeling right now heading into this game tomorrow, unfortunately. All right, let's get one more in before we go to break. Brian Dayball on his decision to not kick the potential game-winning field goal in what was easily the worst game of last week and maybe of the season as the Jets somehow found a way to beat the Giants in overtime in a battle of one city, two teams, all garbage. Yeah, uh, kick a field goal there, and they have 24 seconds with no timeouts, and they need a touchdown, so counted that. I'm making a field goal, then they'd have 24 seconds with no timeouts to have to drive at the length, and our defense was was playing really good all all game, so that's why I made the decision. Yeah, it just seems like they can do absolutely nothing right in New York. Both teams, honestly, I know the Jets are still kind of in it, but they're the third best team in their own division right now, and they can't beat the Patriots to save their life, so I don't really give them much hope either. Another wasted season in New York for both squads. All right, when we get back, Eric just, Eric did a good job of teasing it. We're going to get to a producer six-pack, a game about the game in Germany. Break out your Hefeweizen. That's all coming up next. Sports Radio, 99 on the game and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.